Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 132 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. I'm here with Trevor and Juliana Frenner from the US. Welcome. What yes, up, what up? Thank you for having us. So Trevor uh, applied for the dropshipping partnership and he's actually the first person I'm going to introduce out of everyone. I'm um, excited for that. But I think the reason why I wanted to have you guys on um, first is because even before this partnership begins, you, you've had a really interesting story. C- can you talk about it? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I tend to talk too much. So interrupt me if I start talking too much, but um, I can start from the beginning, I guess. Um, I started dropshipping in 2010 and uh, met a guy through a job that I was working at the time. And a uh, really cool guy, knew about dropshipping, knew about online business. I've never even heard of it at that point. Um, I was a skateboarder and just like skating. So I had some ambition to start a skateboard brand. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I see all these skateboard brands coming up. And right around that time, there's a lot of new stuff. So um, we decided to go in and, and try a skateboard brand, but I just had no experience with it. So I was kind of making like artsy things here and painting decks. And, and I bought some, uh, some skateboard hardware and, and, and rebagged it and put some cool stuff. I made like a brand and it kind of took off, but it didn't really go very far. Um, it was really fun though. It was kind of a passion project, but about a month after that or two months after that, uh, the guy, and so he was like, Hey man, like, what do you think about like trying to sell these things? And I was sure. I mean, why not? You know, I'd never even heard of it before. So, um, he went and found, uh, a manufacturer that's in LA. So there's like tons of manufacturers in LA. We didn't even, I had no idea at the time. Um, and he was able to establish a wholesale account with them just by buying a bulk amount. And the funny part is, is that, um, you know, normally they'd be like 300, 500, maybe a thousand, but he was able to find a, uh, a kid's version of one that only costs like 10 bucks or something wholesale. So they require 10 units, right? But they didn't require a certain dollar amount so he bought 10 units of and spent you know 100 bucks or something um so we got a wholesale account with them uh i started putting up a website and uh in my just off time and uh and we made our first sale a couple months later so very cool so before we dive into that actually so let's hear from juliana as well um how, how like what brought you guys to the kind of this journey like who's who decided hey let's come to Chiang Mai because you were you guys going to come anyways even if the the partnership wasn't a thing yes we had bought our tickets back in May I think and we already knew we wanted to travel outside of North America because we didn't have any more responsibilities um, we had been taking care of my sister for five years and we had cats and we just had all this responsibility and we finally my sister turned 18 moved out and um, last year we moved out of our apartment and we're you know, we had sold our last business and um, we were just free to get married and go on our honeymoon and just kind of have fun. And he was building websites and I was like, okay, well, I helped you with that business, but you know, maybe I should try doing like, you know, real estate. So I jumped into real estate, started learning that. And um, in February, I would say like maybe March or April, February, March or April, I decided that that it just wasn't for me. I was doing open houses and I was like, this sucks. This really sucks working on weekends. I want to be at home with my husband. And, you know, I was doing it before with him. So why don't I try it again? And we had found Dropship Lifestyle through you. And it just I just came home one day and said, where's Dropship Lifestyle? Let me start it right now. And I started waking up every morning at six. What, was it like a really tough day at the office or what sparked yes, that? Yes, yes, um, What sparked it for me was I was at an open house. The open house was horrendous. There was nothing inside of it and they hadn't fixed it up at all. And there was like a surfboard in one of the bedrooms and it smelled weird. And there was like all these weird electrical wires in the back and there was a bunch of stuff in the back house. It was just really, really bad. And I was like, I don't want to do this. There was this lady at the other open house. It was a way nicer house, but she had been doing it for 20 years and she was still there sitting on a Saturday, hanging out, talking to people. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do this in 20 years sitting here having to, you know, work really hard for my money. Yeah, especially on weekends. I think that, that's mm-hmm. a really good tip you, you gave everyone where if you have a job now and you can't imagine yourself being happy doing it 10, 20 years from now, maybe you should just get out. And 
I, I encourage people, like, let's say you're selling cars or something. Maybe you don't want to do that forever. But if you can save up money the next year, do it. You know, like, kill it at it. Like, sell as many cars as you can. Save up as much money as you can. And then that way it gives you that freedom to, to start a business to, or to travel. But, you know, I wouldn't want to work weekends for the rest of my life. There's no way. Yeah. When you're starting up, it's different. You know, you kind of want to, you, you got to work as hard as possible, as much as possible. Like we were, we were just sitting in our apartment, you know, Saturday night, Friday night, whatever it took, like to start to get that site up, try to get the products uploaded, try to get the ads going and stuff like that and, and get sales. But, but after, you know, a month or so, we're just, you know, kind of getting burnt out. So it, we realized like, yeah, you definitely want to be able to set up a business that in the future you'll be able to outsource, you'll be able to automate and you'll be able to set up this kind of like lifestyle business where, you know, it'll run in the background while you can go do stuff you want to do you know you hire employees to do the stuff that you know that needs to be done with the business so so tell me more about so how did you how did you start that and why did you stop doing it so i got lucky um the guy who i met a partnership with um he just he like knew about it already so he uh he he you know, started the niche with me. We uh, we dove into it. We didn't really know what we were doing, so I used a site called eCreator, and eCreator is like an eBay alternative. Um, they were free back in the day. They actually run product listing ads for your products that you put on there. So um, it was a great way for us to get paid ads to the products and to make some sales. So that's how I made sales in the first um, first part of the of the business. We we didn't. It was it was slow growth. It was organic growth. We were doing. I set up social media. Um, I didn't even know how to set up a website back then. No idea. I don't think if Shopify existed, it was really archaic. Um, so I didn't even discover WordPress or WooCommerce till two years later. Um, so all of our sales were through eCreator. So we did like 50,000 in sales the first year. Um, so, you know, we're doing 5,000 sales a month. You know, it's a uh, 10% margin or something like that. So we weren't making a whole lot of money, but it was side money. And at the time I was working a day job, nine to five in sales at a lock and security distribution company. So um, dealing with locksmiths, whole, uh, business owners and stuff like that. Um, a lot of guys that were, you know, they kind of, they they were hard workers, but they sort of hated their lives too. So you could kind of tell and how they, you know, talk to you and stuff like that. I did a lot of phone sales. So I learned a lot of sales techniques in that job. So that was cool. Um, so I took those and applied them to my business. And, uh, and after 20, mid 2012, I started doing more research because I wanted to find a better website platform to put it on. And then I, uh, online searching, I found WooCommerce and uh, WordPress. So I put, put a site together. Um, I started putting content into it. And end of 2012, we were both like, I don't know, we were going through these things with our day job and we were just trying to figure out if this is really what we want to do for a while or, you know, if we want to put our time and effort into building an online business, you know, and, and we started going that way. We started reading a lot of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book front to back. We actually went to some rich dad seminars and I mean, they cost a few hundred bucks, but it was a full weekend, you know, eight hour days and and we were just inculcating our minds with all this knowledge. It kind of opened up our mind to just the lifestyle and to also not just, you know, creating, you know, cash flow, but also like investing eventually that kind of like set us up like, oh, this is how we want our future, like 10, 20, 30 years down the road. This is where we want to be. That's cool. So it gave you like that, that blueprint and something kind of to work towards. I'm actually really curious. What were the, the rich dad seminars like? Uh, the first seminar was about real estate. So that's what sparked my interest in real estate. And it basically was this guy just really, really like, um, you know, a good talker and basically just cramming everything about real estate investing in three days. So you're taking all these notes, but when you look later at the notes, you're like, what is this and how do I apply this to my real life? And the next one was um, the second day was, no, the second weekend was an investing seminar. And that was just a guy talking about, you know, the stock market and the four pillars that you need to know for investing. And it just kind of like, oh, I could I could actually learn how to invest in the stock market. But it takes, you know, it's going to take you years and years and years did to you, learn Did that. you mention the four quadrants? The four quadrants. Oh, yes. Um, that's kind of the basis of the rich dad thing. And, and so the four quadrants are, are where you're starting out in life. You usually have a job. So that's quadrant one as an employee. So you're always working for somebody else. You're reliant on them to pay you and to and provide you work. Um, and quadrant two, they teach you is kind of the next step up. And it's when you become sort of a freelancer and you become, uh, you, you work for people still and you still kind of have boss, but it's one at a time. It's clientele and stuff like that. It's different people each time. Um, you're still dependent on somebody else and it's kind of like owning your own job. So you don't have any workers uh, managing that job for you, anything like that. Now, quadrant three is where it gets interesting. Quadrant three, you move beyond having a job and you start hiring workers and outsourcing your business so that the business runs without you having to control it. Um, and that's being a business owner. And then quadrant four is where you're an investor. So you have a lot of capital and you invest in businesses uh, that you know have potential for growth, hopefully. And then, you know, they grow and you make money that way. So so they mainly they teach that to start and then they teach the different ways to do it. And this one, the first one we took was real estate. 
And then we went back, uh, I think it was a month later or something like that, because it was so good. Um, we took one on uh, stock investing and trading like that. So One of the things that stuck out to me, too, was to help me understand that my house wasn't going to be our investment eventually. It was going to make us go into debt. And everybody was like, oh, you should buy a house soon. You should, you know, invest in that. And that's going to, you know, make you money in the future. And I'm, it, it really changed our minds. Like, I don't want to buy a house. There's no way that would get me stuck in one place for a long time. It sounds like you got a lot of value from that. Uh, this was what, 2012, you said? Yes, near the end of 2012. Do you remember yeah. how much those seminars cost? Yeah, 300 bucks a piece. Okay. And they yeah. do it They do it where like it's a, a pre-seminar and then they sell you the $300 package. So it's like a free yeah, seminar to get you in and then... 10, 10, oh, well, see, it's kind of like, you know, anything else. They get you... They free seminar, they get you in, the local Marriott or something like that. You'll see it in your Facebook feed. You know, it's a real estate investing seminar or whatever. And then they sell you the $300 course, the weekend course. And then beyond that, they'll sell you the $20,000 uh, mentorship package or whatever it is. So... so I, I, I've never been to one. It sounds like the ones you went to were actually super worth the 300 bucks. Uh, I think the only, I don't know what happened, but I think pretty sure like in the last two years, it's become like some multi-level marketing thing. Now that, that's funny you mentioned that yeah, because I we actually went to a third one yeah. and it sucked. It was terrible. It was yeah. this lady putting it on and we, we kind of showed up late, but she was like, she was a bad speaker and you know, trying to learn from someone who, who isn't very charismatic is kind of difficult. So yeah, I felt like we were at school and uh, one thing that uh, stuck out to me was that you know, you you have to then upgrade. It goes from three hundred to sixteen thousand, twenty thousand, and they tell you they're going to be right there with you. But I've also heard that he doesn't even um, rich dad the. Robert Kiyosaki is not even a part of it. They just used his name as a branding and he's not even really a part of it. And he actually said in an interview that he wouldn't recommend that. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, I, I give him a lot of props for you know saying that even though he licensed his name. I don't blame him for license, licensing his brand and his name. I mean, obviously it'd be better if he was the one kind of behind the scenes making sure, you know, it's it's a great product and a great, um, you know, it's something that he would endorse and not just put his name on. It's like if I ever started like licensing travel like a boss or something like that, you know, and having no control over it, I, I probably would never do that because I figure like that's like a personal recommendation for me. Um, but at the same time, I think it's one of those things where like I, I kind of understand the concept where he's like they're teaching the rich dad philosophy in the quadrant. So like let's say he died or Tony Robbins died, knock on wood. You know, I'm sure somebody can teach his methods. And as long as they kind of stay true to it, like I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone either. Yeah, you know, he, he is a brilliant businessman though. He's done, he's done, uh, his first thing was Velcro wallets, right? So he, he made this Velcro wallet. I think it was the first of its kind and it sold like crazy. Um, according to the story that I read, and, and then he did the uh, the cash flow game. So cash flow was uh, one of his board games. It's kind of like Monopoly, and you get to go around the board and like learn how you know investments work and stuff like that, just yeah. from a really basic standpoint. But you still have an idea of like what investing in real estate's like, investing in stocks, starting a, a startup business, you know that kind of stuff. So it's a cool. It's actually a really cool board game, especially for getting used we to. We played it a few times. Yeah. yeah, we went to a few like uh, cash flow like games, and it helps you to understand like getting out of the rat race. The, so the first time I, I played that game, it was at one of these, these casual meetups. Yeah. And I was pissed that the, the guy wouldn't like explain like strategy or tactics to me. He's like, no, no, you just got to you just, just play here. Just figure it out. What was how did you guys play that first time? Like, what was your strategy? Did you learn anything from? about yourself from it yeah you know it, it teaches a lot about finances so it teaches you like how money it, how to manage money how to understand debt and how to understand good debt versus bad debt and that you know a lot of consumers don't understand the concept even uh, most people probably don't even know what the word debt kids. means you know don't have kids and don't buy a house sometimes you can't avoid certain yeah. debts but the debts that you can avoid are like buying a second car or buying like stuff you don't need for your house you know and and, and buying it with your credit card see the thing is, is like a lot of people they make ends meet right with their income and, and they have expenses especially if you live in an expensive city like LA. But the thing is, you want to go out shopping on the weekends. Well, maybe you don't really have that $300 it's going to cost to buy a bunch of new clothes. You know, so you're putting it on your credit card and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to pay that off next month. But it builds up and it builds up and you just start making minimum payments. And a lot of people get caught in the debt trap. So a big thing with that is, is good debt versus bad debt. What we learned from that is just not like for me, it was like, okay, I don't need a new car. I don't need a fancy new phone all the time. I don't need like tons of clothes from the mall. And I rarely go to the mall like well when I was back in the United States I, I I hated malls and I would always try to look for the deals whenever I was shopping or and and that was the kind of thing like I got into debt it was I got into debt on my credit card luckily it wasn't that high of a limit when I got into debt and it took years to pay off it took years it takes how years. did you get into that debt 
Um, I was 18 and I was like, oh, I want to go shopping at the mall. Oh, money. Cool. I can pay this off later. But no, they what they don't tell you when you sign up, you know, it's in the fine print is that it's going to compound after you have the debt for so long. You're going to start to get the APR and the, all the interest rates and then it just starts to go up like crazy and uh you're just stuck in debt and you're literally just paying interest on your debt. Yeah, I think most college kids have zero comprehension of compound interest. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of hard to fathom in your mind, right? You're like, oh yeah, it's fine, I'll pay it off next month. But then you're just chasing it. Like you can just barely afford to pay like just the interest itself. Yeah, you're not even paying down you, the principal. And then if you miss a payment and then that's a $25 or $35 fee right there. I got a cool story to tell really quick. How I first started drop shipping is kind of weird, but it's cool. I was in debt, right? And we were living together at the time. I was 5,000 bucks in debt. It was compound interest. My bank, Bank of America at the time, decided to double my interest rate one month. It was like a December to January switchover. So instead of paying 50 bucks interest every month, I was paying 100. So I kind of freaked out and I called my dad. I said, dad, you know, can you please help me? What can you do for me? My dad's not the type that just goes and hands out money. So he said, all right, let me figure out a way like you can work it off, you know? Um, he works for Siemens Medical. It's a big international company that makes CAT scan MRI machines. And they had a big bank of computers left over from, you know, just old computers that they use. And these were big, super fast computers. So he said, okay, I have 20 of these computers. If you can sell them on eBay, I'll ship them to, straight to the customer and I'll get... I'll let you keep all the money. I was, yeah, of course. I, I've sold on eBay before, you know, a couple of things back in high school or whatever. So let's do this. So I did. I it was somewhere between three to six hundred bucks for a computer. He shipped them all out. the The first one sold for like eight hundred, and the last one sold for a hundred. But you know, I ended up being able to pay all the debt off just because of that. So that was really our first experience with drop shipping. So it was kind of cool. I think that's amazing. That's actually a great like thing to think about. Is First, you know, you kind of helping the business because they, they need to get rid of it. Uh, if anything, you know, even if he split it with you 50-50 or even, even if you just got like a percentage of it, uh, it still would have been a, a great way to, to be profitable. I mean, I'm wondering how many businesses out there have crap that they just want to get rid of that isn't really worth anything or is not worth their time to clean up that somebody, if they wanted to, they can go in and say, I'll get rid of it for you. You know, and then I'll just take 30%. You know, the ironic yeah, thing about that too, is yeah. that a lot of businesses, especially distribution businesses, they actually don't want to do that. And it's because they feel like it's going to lower the value of their new mer merchandise they have for sale. So yeah, where I was working at the time, they have a lot of, you know, defective merchandise returns that would come back, right? Yeah. And I was working my butt off over there. So they- Because I was like, uh, you're taking their property and you know, they- might Well, no, 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 it wasn't like that. Cool. They were throwing things in the dumpster, literally throwing things in the dumpster that I knew were actually good because I was managing the return department I was taking care of all the paperwork and everything really good and clean um, so I would go out in the dumpster after work and just look sift around this stuff because they just threw it away you know and there was there's electric strikes and like uh, just certain like lock sets that it's just perfectly good stuff but the manufacturer would say you know just toss it and like really I mean that's such a waste you know that's not even recycling it it's not they're not putting it on the front desk a table they feel like it's a waste of time and I get that and that makes sense but you know I just pretty much dumpster dove a few times and made you know hundreds of dollars from doing that and it was just ridiculous like the waste that happens out there you know yeah I, and I think this is this is like a great lesson for people who are completely broke and they're like they're like you know I can't even pay my bills I can't even think about taking a course or even buying a book or going to a seminar like I'm broke and you know to me it's one of those things where if you want bad enough you can think of these things you can you can dumpster dive i mean how people listen to this are complaining about the job they they hate and they're like oh anton's course is a thousand dollars i can't afford that but are they willing to go out in a dumpster you know pick up garb you know pick up stuff that might be worth selling on ebay yeah it, it, i mean the opportunity is out there and it's just a matter of keeping an open mind like someone told me one time it's like you know opportunity is where the intersection of preparation and luck meet or you know luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation or something like that so it, it's just keeping an open mind and looking for those opportunities because uh, they're out there. You know, you can you can go to garage sales and find you know a surfboard for ten bucks and go and sell it on eBay for hundred and fifty. That I, well, we got one from yeah. Goodwill that happened one time. Yeah, yeah, she went to Goodwill, bought a surfboard for ten bucks. We we flipped it on eBay for hundred and fifty. And yeah, there's people that do that. They go antiquing and they yeah. find you know old things. It's not a long term thing, but when you're broke, you don't have a choice. And that's a good way to get experience as an entrepreneur because it's the same thing in every step of the business. You start getting into the advanced stages, you're still got to be scrappy you know, still got to find new ways to be innovative and opportunistic you know with the with the drop shipping fast forward to today we have competitors you know and they're very scrappy with different things they do on their website so you know we have to remain we have to keep being innovative and figuring out new ways to i'm really glad that you brought up that it's not a long-term thing and that it's it's something that you want to do like if you need to when you're starting out because i think a lot of people fall into that trap of becoming the permanent you know dumpster diver the, the permanent 
you know, kind of like low value thinking where they're they're happy, they're content with just making, you know, a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks extra a month doing, you know, whatever work that they're kind of comfortable with. I think if I would not recommend anyone do really any of this stuff unless they have a reason why they want to do it. Like unless that unless they have like an actual end goal where they're trying to move up in that quadrant. So instead of them trading their time for money, they eventually get to that point where that money can either, you know, the business can either be automated or the last quadrant where they could take that money they make from that business and then invest it. Exactly. It's it, it's always having that next level in mind. You know, you don't you don't want to get to one level in, in Mario and just stay there forever. You know, you're trying to beat that level and try to get to the next level. Life is the same thing. It's, a, it's just a video game that never ends, you know, and business and dropshipping. I think you mentioned in one of your podcasts about how it feels like you're playing a video game when you're building your dropship site. You you gain new uh, products and you, you gain new suppliers and you add new stuff and it's kind of like you level up and then when that sale comes in, it's just this amazing feeling of like, ah, oh, it all pays off. Ding, 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 ding. You know, it's like yeah. Vegas. I, I really love it. I really think that like online business feels like a video game and, and in fact so much that I don't play that many other video games anymore because I'm like, well, if I'm going to spend four hours doing it, I might as well like make some money, real money yeah. from it. So getting like credits, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely fun for sure after a while. So you guys are doing well with you guys are making, yeah. you know, it was profitable and it was dropship based. Yeah. What made you stop doing that? So before I get into that, um, I'm going to really quick go over um, how Julie was able to quit her job because that happened before that happened. So oh, yeah, awesome. That's yeah. Amazing. So end of 2012 to take off from where we were was the rich dad stuff. Um, I just started building this mindset of abundance and that we could grow. Um, end of 2012, the business did 75,000 in revenue. So we were starting to get to that stage where, okay, we know this is working, it's growing, it's kind of unsteady, so we're not sure, but I have a part-time income almost right now. You know, We can build this thing more. So uh, I pretty much just kind of made a leap of faith and started planning my exit. Um, I was really lucky. Uh, there were two bosses that I dealt with. There was the branch manager who I didn't really speak with or have much of a relationship with. And then there was my immediate supervisor who I was really close with. And this guy, um, he came in as a salesman from a different branch and we became friends as uh, co-workers and then he moved up into as, into an assistant manager position at the at the office there and we stayed close friends we went biking all the time and, and he's kind of an entrepreneur too so we'd always talk about investing and stuff like that so um, we shared ideas back and forth but um, come the time when I was ready to quit I was about ready to put in my two weeks notice and I talked to him about it and they knew I was kind of on the out because I had this online business and I was actually bringing in sometimes and I sold a couple to the people that would come in and it was just I mean I was so blatantly open about it and, and eventually one of the coworkers got kind of like pissed off or jealous or whatever and went and complained to the branch manager and he had a talking to me and said, well, just don't do your business while you're here, you know? And I said, fine, no problem. But um, I was on the out. So I told I told uh, Steve, my my friend, the assistant manager, I said, hey, Steve, you know, I'm thinking about uh, quitting. And he said, you know, Trevor, I know it's, it's you know, it's it's kind of looking that way and we're ready for it. Do you think you'd be willing to stay for a couple of weeks and at least like train somebody to take over your position? I said, yeah, that's no problem, you know, of course. So I was ready. So that was the beginning of the week. Um, I was going to put in my 30 uh, my two weeks notice on that Friday and come th- uh, Wednesday, they plan a emergency meeting at the office. So, you know, show up at 6am. Normally you're supposed to show up at eight, a two hour meeting. Um, we're not going to pay you overtime, but we just need to talk about this stuff, which is kind of ridiculous if they're not going to pay you overtime to show up two hours early to work, you know? So, um, I knew I was on the out and I was like, why even show up to this meeting? What's the point? So I don't show up to the meeting. And in fact, I showed up like 20 minutes late just cause I really didn't care about it. I was really trying to get laid off. I was just like, just tell me to go please. And, um, yeah, 15 minutes later after I showed up, Steve comes into the office, says, you know, the manager told me to just let you go. And I was, I was really stunned at first. I didn't, I didn't think it would actually happen. So when I did, um, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just grabbed my stuff and said bye to like him and the warehouse manager and got out of there as quickly as I could because, um, you know, who knows like if they would have told me that, oh yeah, you know, this or that, you can't file for anything because of one reason or another. So I went home directly. I called Juliana right away. She said, file for unemployment as fast as you can. I did. And since I'd worked there for almost five years, I got approved and unemployment in California has different levels of benefits depending on how much you make. But if you make a certain amount over a the last like year or two period, then you get a certain amount. So I was able to get about half what I was bringing in. So I, I pretty much had a free part-time job while I could grow my online business the rest of the year. And I wasn't planning on that. I was really planning on just like going straight into it, not having much money and, and getting scrappy, but I got lucky and that worked out. So how, how did you feel about that when that happened? Um, I was going to school at the time and when he said he was going to quit, I was like, uh, okay, I'm okay. Like, let's do this, you know? Cause I, I had faith in him because he is a really hard worker and he would stay up like sometimes like in the middle of the night and I would wake up and in the mornings and say, did you sleep last night? And he's like, no, I just stayed up working on the website and I was like, okay. Um, so I just kind of let him do his thing. And, um, when he said he was going to quit, I was like, all right, that's fine. Let's like, 
we can weather anything. We'd been through a lot of stuff together. And, um, but the day he quit, I was, you know, there was that little bit of like in your gut feeling like, okay, this is gonna, this is really happening right now. But what was really cool is that he got the unemployment and we were able to, you know, he was able to supplement his income that way with the business was able to cover our expenses during that time. And um, I got to quit one year later in uh, February. And it was funny because we were growing the business. So there was a lot of times where we would do business things like go, you know, for um, because it was a company. So we would go and, uh, you know, go to and we were doing other things. And we joined like lots of uh, we were in a multi level marketing scheme for a little while. And so there was a lot of time that I took off and every time I would take off my boss would you know is this going to be another time that you're going to take off and um you know it just got to the point where I just had to tell her like you know I I couldn't do it anymore and it was funny because he's like why don't you ask for part-time and she didn't want to give it to me and I'm not the type of person that I can sit back and just kind of laze off of my work and you know not be honest and um she knew what was up and I just had to tell her like you know I I quit and she did not she she just left and she didn't even say anything she was like thanks for not giving me a two-week notice and uh you know I had worked there for five years and there was no you know your boss is never going to give you that you know satisfaction that you desire or that like that deep burning like you know acceptance that you get when you have or that happiness you have when you own your own business and you can do what you want to do when you want to do it and you don't have to answer to anybody um it's it feels a lot more like gratifying so any regrets <laughs> regrets oh man this this no. this line of work is one of my favorites i have so much freedom i wake up at any time of the day um and that was one of the major things for me everybody's got their like main thing that they do this for right well i woke up one morning it was like 6 30 or something you know and, and i'm not a morning person i told myself how much longer are you going to submit this to yourself are you gonna are you gonna just do it and i said yeah and that's so well, that's one of the driving forces behind it is having the freedom to wake up whenever you want to go to work whenever you want to or not uh kill it you can work overnight if you want to you can uh you you can meet all sorts of great people in this business. You don't have to be subjected to uh, to red tape and bureaucracy from the company, or you don't have to you don't have to like feel like oh I have to suck up to the to the guy above me and you know brown nose my boss just to get by and stuff like that. You know, there's none of that in this business, and and it's just entrepreneurs uh, linking with other entrepreneurs. It's, it's one of the most gratifying experiences you know you can ever have. So I think it's really cool that you guys are so supportive of each other. I, I think that's uh, that kind of like that that perfect balance of being one partner being a bit not. I don't want to say weary, but more cautious, saying like, look, I believe in you. I want to go full force, but let's also kind of have a bit of a safety neck, like kind of let's think about it. Versus like the the other side of it might be if if he was alone, he might be like, I'm just gonna go full force without really thinking about the safety net at all. Uh how how did you two meet actually? Uh yeah, we met uh it's funny because we actually ran in uh cross paths the night before we met because uh I was doing a lot of partying in uh what was it, two thousand eight? Yeah, two two thousand five <laughs> I moved to LA. Um and between two thousand five and two thousand eight, I was in college and those were my party years. And you know, Julie was kind of doing the same thing so we went to some crazy parties but um the night we met we went to one of the parties and it was in uh, hollywood and it was really cool um I showed up early, experienced most of the party, and then she showed up kind of after the main part of the party slowed down and stuff like that. And I was walking around, and I mean, I almost didn't even say hi to her. And I, I don't know whether I, I said, said hi. I think Julie you. said hi to me or something like that. It was, it was kind of nervous. And then I sat down, and we just started talking, and we clicked. You know, I don't know if you ever just really clicked with somebody, you know, conversationally and, and chemistry and stuff like that. Juliana, what, what made you say hi to Trevor? Um, I think it was his eyes, and he just looked over at me, and I could see the honesty in his eyes, and uh, I just said. Hey, how are you? You know, and he just said, I'm Trevor. And and then he didn't, you know, and then after that, it was just, you know, that was history. Like that week was we went on our first date, I think. And it, it just I could see I had he had potential. Like when we first met, he didn't have a car. He was riding his bike to work and he, he was, you know, just a hard worker. And I could see that in him. And I was going to college at the time. And um, yeah, it just it, he just I don't know. It's something special. I guess and when she had a car. Yeah, <laughs> I had a car. So I helped him get around. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could say it was kind of love at first sight for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, we almost broke up because, you know, he was broke and he was going into debt. And my car was a I had a Lexus um, 
300 or something and it was an old car but it took gas it was an eight cylinder so just getting around three days was 60 dollars in my tank every three days and he was like let's go here let's go there and take me to work and i was like okay sure and um that week i just had to tell him like you know i need some money for gas because <laughs> he wasn't offering it and then he was like let's go fill up your tank right now <laughs> let's go and i was like okay because <laughs> no, it's, it's, i had given her literally ten dollars when she, when you went to a yeah. gas station i was like yeah here's 10 bucks but i was just so like so ignorant of the fact that her car takes like 80 bucks when you want to fill it up so yeah she called me she's like you know what i really need i don't know if this is going to work out um i don't know you know like we, we got to talk you know and i was just like okay okay let's go get gas come on don't don't it's, we're not going to break up over gas like come yeah. on yeah <laughs> and then it was just a a lot of struggles in the beginning you know like i'm we i moved out of my my apartment or my mom's house and we got an apartment together and we were just like we just went through a lot of struggles like it it, it, it was a huge struggle we got our jobs and got in, tied down into an apartment and then my sister came to live with us who was 12 years old we we're 22 years old at the time you know he's only a year older than me so taking on a 12 year old when you're 22 like we were like 40 year old like you know it was it wow was, yeah uh can I ask why your sister moved in with you? My dad um, is not from this country. He's from Nicaragua, and he was deported back to Nicaragua. And uh, my sister at the time uh, didn't have anywhere to go, and um, she had to come. You know, what do you do when your 12-year-old sister doesn't have anywhere to go? You, I just basically, you know, he's like, is there any family that can take her? And I was like, you know, it was another, like, ultimatum where I said, you know, don't make me choose, please, because it's going to be my sister. Um, and he manned up and... He said, "Okay, let's do this." Uh, first off, like really good on you two for for taking her in. I think that's really cool. Uh, and also, I I want to give like a shout out to your your Thank dad you. for you know I like I'm assuming it was a lot of like it was hardship to get to the U.S. and then have you two as kids. And I think like kind of that struggle of saying, you know what, I know this is gonna be better for my future family I don't, you know it's, maybe it's the gray zone maybe it's not like i'm sh- assuming he didn't do the like the legal system of getting in um, <laughs> but you know and as, as i think a lot of people might listen and think like oh it's so harsh that he got deported i think of it as that's so cool that he made it there in the first place and had enough time to have you know two great kids true you know the guy the guy's a he's a rolling stone but he's a hard worker man and he's he knows how to talk and he knows how to you know be a friendly guy he's like one of the most friendly guys you'd ever meet you know and so yeah and i think your I mom think was I saw yeah he's a very good talker <laughs> so i also think it's really cool that you were the one to say hi to trevor you know i think so many people that are single you know like it was, i guess mostly it's gonna be the women who like kind of wait around like for the guy to to approach them but the fact that you at least you know it took that first step that initiative i ever like I, I think most guys in the world would appreciate that yeah i think he was really nervous too and once i started talking to him he just didn't stop and uh, it was funny because my friends at the time were saying you know oh yeah don't date him or you know it's just that kind of like hater mentality that people have and um you know she's like oh you guys are not gonna last that long and it's been almost nine years one, one of her friends that night was was like in my face like trying to like get me to be scared or put me off or something and she kept trying and trying and trying but i persevered i didn't even care i was just smiling right back to her when she was saying mean stuff to me and the funny thing is the next day she was like her best friend she's like oh i love this guy you know and it's just the most ironic thing you know you should just give me the test yeah. all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm like the shyest guy so for me approaching girls and like asking them at the time i was just kind of you know uh, it, it was more of like a it was just I didn't know whether to say hi or not I didn't know whether she liked me I didn't I was just uh, you know and then she said hi and I was oh perfect okay let me talk to her <laughs> so I, I think that kind of shows like how many great opportunities there are out there like as long as you are the one to go for it and whether it's relationships or in business or you know really yeah. whatever it is you never know when it's gonna you know an opportunity is gonna knock on your door yeah you know? don't be afraid to put yourself out there with people and I'm I like people so I've always been a, a great like talker and I'll just open myself and be honest with them and you never know what kind of opportunity that's gonna where that's gonna lead okay I like it so you got, all right so <laughs> I know we've been jumping around a little bit yeah. uh, so your drop shipping yep. uh, at the at the peak you said how, how much were you guys making let's see what so what happened um, uh, 20 end of 2013 Julie quit her job early 2014 I think it was around the end of 2013 end of 2014 we, we hit the hundred thousand dollar sales mark in 2013 that was the biggest thing I was still going to school at the time I was taking a speech class and I remember my final speech in that speech class was about hitting the sales mark because to me it was like this huge thing I mean I, I'd gotten to the point where my unemployment was running out and Julie wanted to quit her day job and our online business was getting to the point where it could actually supply 
a good enough income almost to live on. So my goal was to get it from 100,000 to a million. You know, I wanted to get 10 exit. And so I was going to work trying to figure out how. So what I started to do was get those products from our website onto eBay and onto Amazon, optimize those listings. And our sales blew up. Like the first quarter of 2014, we did 100,000. So we were doing four times as much sales. Uh, We just had four or five sales coming in every single day, shipping things out, dealing with a lot of customer service. Um, Yeah, our sales peaked that year. Um, we did a, we did a half a million in sales. So you know, at around ten, somewhere between ten to twenty percent margin, you know, we're taking home fifty to one hundred thousand dollars. But the thing about it um, that well, it, I'll go into a whole another story really quick. Um, won't take up too much time. But we tried to open a physical retail shop. Um, I wanted to expand the online business. So I figured the best way to do that, since there's no more brands really that want to dropship at the time, is to try to open a store, get accounts with big brands like they only sell the shops and. Uh, get accounts with them and then sell those online. You know, we have an online presence. We should be able to sell them. So we get a lease on a place. We found a pretty good shop. It was kind of a mixed uh, warehouse retail space in LA. So it only cost 1200 a month, which is a lot less than normal retail spaces, usually 3000 to $4,000 a month. Um, we signed the lease. It was a, a year and a half lease. Um, at that point, you know, I was just thinking, okay, let me just buy a few and then I'm going to put up a bunch of retail displays, paint the shop and we'll just open and all of a sudden sales are going to start coming in. It was a kind of that mentality, like you build it and they will come. And of course, I built it and hardly anybody started coming in. Yeah, I mean, it's kinda like you know, how, like you sometimes you feel like when you're successful at something and then you're like, I could do anything. And that was what we thought. We're like, hey, yeah, let's open up this store. It's going to be really successful. But we didn't have anything. We didn't know anything about doing, you know, a retail storefront. It was it was a nightmare. And the retail storefront was not pulling its weight. So the online store was the one that was supporting the brick and mortar. And we were working ourselves back into our our jobs we were having to be at a place all the time 24 7 you know worrying about it and there's so many things that come with opening up a brick and mortar and I'm not saying that you can't do that but you have to really have a lot of capital and a lot of resources I think it's it's like cool that you guys have done both uh and I also kind of you know I, I like applaud that you guys took the risk to do it because it actually s- sounded like a good plan like I would have probably tried that too <laughs> um how much did it cost in total to, to start that brick and mortar retail store you know I probably overspent a lot of money it could have costed a lot less and I'm sure everybody does that when they open a, a <laughs> retail store everything ends up costing 10 times more than you initially expect um one of the big mistakes I made was buying a lot of inventory um if you look back at other businesses like Best Buy Best Buy started out as a dropship business they opened up a store as a uh, catalog store and the the deal there is you don't buy you know a hundred iPads to sell you buy one or two one of like each color and then put it on display and then when you get a sale from somebody in the store you tell them okay great this is going to ship in, come back tomorrow and you can pick it up or they can ship directly to your house, your choice. So that, that was what my business partner wanted to do. But I knew I was like, okay, if I don't buy inventory from these brands, they're not going to let us on, which ended up being the case. I thought I could get them. But unfortunately, if you don't spend $10,000 to start and buy, you can't even get on with them as a brand. So um, that, and then there was the retail merchandising, you know, the tables and the chairs and the, the, the slat wall was a pain because it was really heavy and we had to set them up and, and screw it into the wall and find the studs. And it was ridiculous and we had to paint the whole shop and there was just so much that went into that shop. Do you remember yeah. the, the total dollar price? amount? Um, looking back at the books, I, I think we spent around 30 to 40,000, maybe more, maybe 50. It just depends. Yeah, because I spent a lot on inventory over those four or five months. I sold a lot of them and that's why we ended up breaking even on this shop. We ended up selling enough of this stuff and um, wholesaling a lot of it. At the very end, when we were getting out, we actually, we had signed up with a distributor of bike parts and we brought in, you know, $10,000 worth of parts, ridiculous amount. And it was just so much stuff around the wall and I didn't have anybody to merchandise it for us. So I figured, okay, they have a return policy that's within six months. It's been less than six months let's just return it all so the guy he ended up taking the returns a 15 percent restock fee we, we put a pallet that was seven feet high and wrapped it with shrink wrap and sent it, it back crazy it was funny one day it was because we still had my sister with us so me and my sister were in the back room trying to organize everything and trying to like make it all nice and he just came in and literally threw everything on the floor and said i want it all in boxes and i don't want to have it anymore take it back it was was literally like like i was back at my old job again in working in that office it's funny i wrote a blog post called uh like cost to start a a dropshipping store and i'll have anthony link to it in the show notes but i kind of broke down like what it would cost to start a brick and mortar store versus how how much it would cost to start a dropshipping store and i i had estimated around thirty to forty thousand dollars for any kind of retail location if you wanted to sell the exact same things you want to sell on a dropship store which 
always costs like less than a thousand dollars yeah and the thing is that's a low estimate i've heard i've heard uh retail stores that start up 100 150,000 and those are the nice ones you know i wanted to be a nice shop but i didn't really have the money for it or the expertise you know if you want to be like starbucks and have a really nice facade and have people coming in and join it you got to pay a lot of money for these custom you know things built for your shop and stuff like that and people to come in and painters cost a lot of money you know especially if you want it custom painted and, and then there's security cameras and there's um there you know all the inventory there's just so many so many expenses i wasn't expecting but would you start another brick and mortar store no man (laughs) the internet has grown so much i mean iphones and 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 tablets and 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 samsung phones smartphones put the internet in the hands of every single person in the world and everybody likes to consume they they consume content video and they buy stuff now e-commerce is like the biggest thing amazon is 30 percent of e-commerce retail out there now and they're the biggest giant that just shows you how easy it is for people just to order stuff online and Having a brick and mortar shop, um, it's fine for restaurants and for cafes and things that you know serve food or, or do services like a, like a real estate business kind of needs an office sometimes. But there's so many business models that don't need a shop anymore. It's 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 really not required. And if you want to live the lifestyle of traveling all the time and, and and being able to really enjoy life to the fullest, having a retail store is not how you do that. It's the opposite. You just you kind of get locked into it. It becomes like a like a life sucking adventure. You know. I feel like I'm very fortunate that I started my job store while I was in Thailand because it forced me to do everything location dependent and forced me to do everything online because I would have been very tempted to do things like maybe I was like oh maybe I'll start a small shop just so I can have a retail location or so I can like warehouse or I can get more suppliers or whatever whatever crazy idea you would have. Some people are better at managing it than others. I, I know people <coughs> that have big stocking businesses and they have warehouses with all sorts of stuff and I don't really know them that well to know like how happy they are and, and what exactly they're doing but I mean I see it happening and it being successful. It's just not for me you know and it's it, we want we're young we want to live uh, we want to travel we want to go around and meet other entrepreneurs we want to we want to see the world and do cool stuff and having that kind of a business unless you're really good at managing people or it makes a lot of money so you can hire somebody else to manage those people it's just not worth it and with the uh with the proliferation of things like outsourcing virtual assistants uh phone support live chat you can have somebody else manage your stuff for a low monthly fee and your business can practically be run by other people for a tenth of what it costs, you know, to have an employee and pay the taxes. Absolutely. So you guys started this dropshipping store. You scaled the the profits up to or the to you know, between fifty to hundred grand a year, which is a full time living. You guys were hitting your your targets of half a million in sales a year. You just kind of swerved off, started this retail location, which was a big waste of time and, and money and probably a big headache. Uh, what what then with that? store everything started falling apart it was everything at the worst possible time i planned to move from woocommerce to shopify that was the one of the biggest things i wanted to do because shopify is so much easier to manage um mainly because we were hosted on godaddy and at the time godaddy was having a lot of server issues with our shared server um, and our site would go down randomly i had to hire a developer and have him on call because sometimes i'd wake up and my site's down no orders would be coming in and we're used to having you know seven to ten orders a day coming through and people would be emailing me saying hey man your site's down like i want to buy something and what about those people that didn't feel like emailing me you know they went to somebody else so we tried to switch to Shopify the issue we had was we didn't hire a developer and I wanted to do it myself so Shopify's URL for their products is slash products or something like that and and WooCommerce is slash product singular so none of the URLs matched up and uh, we lost all of our organic rankings that I'd worked the entire year of 2013 to build up with content and with backlinks and stuff like that Um, so all of our organic listings were gone from Google and our business went from you know doing I think our October numbers were somewhere around like 50 60,000 to literally like 11,000 in November. It was so bad. And, and that was the down season for sales anyway. So um, we were in this shop and we didn't have any more online sales going on. The shop wasn't selling anything. And and to add to the mess, it got crazy. We got kicked off of Amazon because of a customer, a couple different customers that just got pissed and went crazy yeah, at us. Yeah, if you're us. dealing with Amazon, you have to realize that they control the market. They control the marketplace. So if you do, if you don't follow up on everything immediately, and if you are shipping products that are, you know, defective or if they're damaged when they arrive, people can just file an A to Z claim immediately. And if you don't handle it perfectly and precisely, then you will get dinged on your account. And if 
if it happens, I think it's like t- if you get kicked off once, they give you one more chance, and then after that, it's you're out of there. They're rough, and and you know what? They they control it. They're the boss. Yeah, that's actually one big reason why I don't sell on Amazon, uh, where I haven't gotten to FBA, is because I know that you are their bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like you are one hundred percent under their control. It's like having a boss. They, yeah, it, it literally is like having a boss, mm-hmm. and it's the nice thing about dropshipping the way we do. Even though we're on Shopify, we're just using them as they're basically our employee and we can move off of them if we want to. Uh, not that I would because Shopify really is the best you know platform out there currently. But let's say a few years from now, another company comes out and they're way better or Shopify starts dropping the ball for whatever reason, which I hope they don't. I don't, I don't think they will. But we do have the power to switch over. Um it was unfortunate that when you guys switched from WooCommerce to Shopify, you guys lost all, all, all your traffic. And that really sucks. But I, I think that's a big lesson learned for people where if you are going to switch over, spend the money on a good web developer. Don't just find like the cheapest person on Odesk or Upwork or, you know, or boot, bootstrap it yourself, which I would have been tempted to do, to be honest. Um, you have to treat it as a very fragile migration, uh, which is actually a big reason why JohnnyFD.com is still on Blogger and not on WordPress. <laughs> It's because I like all my traffic is organic. I, I've never paid for an ad for you know for my blog ever. And if I if any of that was kind of tampered with, you know, through the migration, I would just lose all of that. Yeah, there's a thing called a 301 redirect. And if you're going to change anything over, you have to look into this. And that's what developers are for. Um, It basically tells the server that when someone goes to that link, which will be your old link to forward it to the new link, or at least have a page there ready for them. You know, it's so important. Yeah, you'll lose all your organic rankings. If, If Google sees that it's not going anywhere, it's gone. And we weren't doing any paid ads at the time. So that was our source of income was Google, <laughs> which is kind of silly too, because, you know, Google isn't always the most, uh, you know, trustworthy source to get traffic from, especially for organic stuff. They change their algorithms all the time. So, you know, that that wasn't very smart, but we got lucky. So, you know. But, you know, at the same time, like, so let's just say um, this is the other kind of reason why I like learning from someone or I like taking a course because then they kind of do all that work for you and then they tell you what you should do. So for example, when I first took Anton's course, he, you know, he said, okay, now it's time for hosting. You know, your three big options are WooCommerce, which is a WordPress plugin, uh, BigCommerce or Shopify. And he kind of, you know, goes over and he says, look, I tried all three of them. I recommend Shopify. So what I do, I just use Shopify. I, I didn't like overthink it, you know? <laughs> but if yeah. I was not part of that course and I was kind of just do my own research, I probably would have done WooCommerce because it was the cheapest. Right. So I was like, I don't want to pay 29 bucks a month. Exactly. Yeah, and you don't realize, but with WooCommerce, it's a free plugin, but there's paid plugins that have to be plugged into that in order for mo- the most simple things to be uh, to be done. Like, for instance, a- giving tracking to your customers. You have to buy a WooZone add-on, an extension for WooCommerce just to add tracking. It's like 30 bucks. Yeah. You have to buy all sorts of extensions that add up to a lot of money. Some of them are $100, $150. So that 30 bucks a month you're paying with Shopify, which turns into maybe 300 a year or something like that, a 360 a year, pays for not only the hosting, it pays for steady hosting for one. It pays for uh, an SSL certificate, which you pay extra for with a, with a hosting provider. It's like 70 bucks a year normally so that you have to buy that with WooCommerce and have a developer set it up for you usually. Um, Shopify offers 24-7 support. WooCommerce, WordPress has a forum, but I mean, you're you're talking to a community. It's not the same thing. It, you can literally call Shopify at 2, 3 in the morning, you know, when you're working on your site and someone in Canada or Ireland or somewhere will help you out. What is hilarious is I was down in Colant at the co-working space and the girl behind me answers the phone like, thanks for calling Shopify. <laughs> and I'm like listening in on her like customer service call. And afterwards I talked to him like, I'm like, like, who do you work for? She's like, oh, I, I work for Shopify. I'm the support. <laughs> That's so neat. That's great. That just shows, you know, you can be location independent and have a job too. Yeah. I mean, location independence is not just for entrepreneurs. Business. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was funny too because when we went, even after we took Anton's course, Dropship Lifestyle, and he was ready to start up another Dropship website, he he still wanted to do WooCommerce because it was so tempting to have that free platform. And I was just like, no, Shopify's easier. We've already just like talked about it. It's it's so simple and easy like going through WooCommerce and updating everything don't get every single thing correct sites not snap low right so if you had all this experience you know on your own uh starting a dropshipping store that was very profitable mm-hmm. what made you take Anton's course well I'll, I'll i'll end the the story there so um 
what happened at the end of 2014 was we, we wrapped up the shop. We sold everything. I was lucky. I found a guy who took over the lease. He actually was a friend, a skateboarder friend of mine. He owns a skateboard distribution company in Canoga Park. He was looking for a retail space. And this is sort of a retail space. So it worked out perfectly. He happened to call me one day when I was trying to lease out the shop, sublease the shop. And he said, hey, man, how's your shop doing? And I said, you know, it's not doing too good. I'm trying to actually lease it out. And he said, perfect. I'm looking for a place exactly like what you have. A week later, he, he took over the lease and we were out of that. We, we were only six months into a year and a half lease. So potentially we were having to owe you know, they're $12,000 on our lease. So we got out of there and that was it. We, uh, we moved back home. We, uh, we switched back from Shopify to WooCommerce because I kept the site up and all of our organic linkings came back, uh, everything. So we started making sales again. January, we did like 20,000 or something like that or 30,000. It still wasn't like it was before, but we were making sales again. So, you know, our profit margin was uh, still the same. So we're making a couple grand a month, but we have two cars, you know, we have a, a two bedroom apartment. Our expenses were around four to $5,000 a month and um, having a high expenses, living in LA, you know, it just wasn't gonna work out and I had to make I had to make some decisions I had to figure out what we were going to do next and it, it came down to trying to sell the website so did you end up selling it yes um, and I'll go through the process that I went through um, just so people know but uh, when I was first thinking about it I was listening to podcasts about people selling their websites and um, podcasts I think I listened to e-commerce fuel and tropical well I didn't listen to, e-commerce fuel I think was the one that I'd heard about um, the uh, empire flippers from <laughs> empire flippers are cool because they actually vet the websites that they sell so they know for sure that they're good websites that the actually make you money. So for investors that want to buy websites, it's actually a really good source to go to. I was going to sell through them, um, but I wasn't sure about the value of my website. A lot of what I had done was just kind of bootstrapped and thrown things together. And I really didn't have anything uh, put together in a way that was easily saleable. I didn't understand selling a website. I'd never done it before. So um, they charge 300 bucks up front, which is fair. And at the time I just, you know, being cheap, I just didn't feel like, you know, it was really worth it. Cause it's, I think it's non-refundable. So, um, I ended up just, uh, putting a listing up on Flippa, which is another uh, website where you sell websites. Flippa.com is, is kind of like the eBay for website sales. And so I, I put up a listing on Flippa. They gave me some free perks or whatever, because it, you know, potentially was worth, you know, $50,000 or something like that. And, uh, and I told the guy, I said, you know, I want to sell it for a hundred thousand, but I think the lowest I would take for it is 50 because, you know, it's not really where it was. The potential there, you know, everybody says when they sell a website, Hey, there's lots of potential, but you know, what really matters is how much it's making. So, um, if you looked at the prior 12 months, yeah, it's making a lot of money, but from where it was to where it was, then it was making about two, 3000 a month. So I figured, okay, you know, 50,000 would probably be a fair sale price. So I marketed a little bit. I talked to a lot of people, got a lot of low ballers. Some people from the UK were interested. Some people from Canada were interested. Um, I ended up getting an email from a guy in Alberta, Canada, um, outside of Flippa. And he said, Hey man, would you be willing to, you know, take a sale outside of Flippa? And I said, yeah, of course. I mean, they take like a 10% fee or something like that. It's ridiculous. So, um, so, you know, I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, I want a hundred thousand, but I, I'd be willing to like settle for 50 if, if you want to do that. It's a quick sale. And he said, he said, let's do it. And so I was like, all right, cool. So he sent the paperwork over. Um, I told him let's use escrow.com because you know, you want to make sure you're actually going to get the money and he's not just going to, you know, whatever, you know, money doesn't disappear and he has a website now. So, um, everything went through smoothly. Uh, wired over the funds to escrow. I moved over the website to him. I did just one call with him that was like two hours long, just explained how everything works. Everything else was through email. Really cool guy. He had already done dropshipping before, so he just wanted to look for an investment like that. Um, and we handed it over end of February and we had 50,000 in our bank account. Yeah, really cool, man. And like, glad that all worked out. In retrospect, would you have just pay that $300 and went through Empire yeah. Flippers? I probably would have gotten closer to 75 or 100 if I had gone through an Empire Flippers. And they would have walked me through the process of wrapping the business together in a package that was saleable to an investor, you know, someone who's willing to pay more. And plus they would market it to people that were willing to pay more too. It's a big difference. If you go through a brokerage, they're going to have a list of people that are looking to buy websites. They have millions, you know, you're not selling to people that have a bank account with, you know, 20,000 in it or looking for a deal, you know, cause they'll, they'll lowball you and they'll, you know, they'll try to screw you over and, and get a good deal for themselves. So yeah, I, I would, I would never recommend Flipper to anyone who's selling a site that's worth more than 10 grand. Like if you're just trying to yeah. offload something worth a couple hundred bucks, thousand bucks yeah yeah go with them but anything bigger i would at this point i would say for 99 percent of people empire flippers is, is way better and the other uh, tip i'd give to people uh looking to sell their website is to if, if you're going to start a website start it out in a way that you can sell it easier you know set everything else up on separate google accounts set everything else up so that in the end you could literally just change the username and password on it take out your bank information and give it to them and boom there's some stuff you can't like you you'll never be able to sell your amazon store they just wouldn't let that happen. I don't know about eBay. I, I've heard of that happening sometimes, but um, but as far as I know, like they don't let that happen. So you can sell a Shopify store. You can sell.
tell a story you start with, uh, you know, uh, WooCommerce too. It's just, it, it depends on how you set it up. So definitely try to set up your business and run it well. Keep good books on it. Keep a good accounting spreadsheet at least, you know. Uh, hire hire employee, hire an outsourced agent to handle the customer service because then it's more like a turnkey investment and it's not like you're handing someone a job. It's more like, okay, I've trained this worker to do all the customer service, inventory updates and all the stuff that needs to be done. All you need to do is buy it and, uh, and meet the guy and it's done for you. So I actually outlined everything I did when I sold my store for 60 grand uh, on my blog, johnnyfd.com. You guys can go through that. Basically, everything that you, you mentioned uh, and also a lot more other steps um, that we probably don't have time for on this episode. <laughs> but I've outlined all of it. I have a whole interview um, about selling the store as well. So you guys can check that out. So you guys sold the store. Congratulations. You know, got 50 grand in your pocket. You already had the experience of starting one. Why did you join a course? So um, we took the whole next year off. We got married. We went on a honeymoon, all that crazy stuff. Come back 2016. And we're we're kind of stuck. We, we just, we, we know but we just don't know anything else. Like I, I've never, uh, I never known how to do proper niche research. I just didn't know like how to find other products and niches out there that were drop shippable. I've never taken online courses. I learned everything myself, and it wasn't everything. You know, I, I learned what I learned myself, and that's all I knew. So we were trying different stuff. Like I started up some niches, and it just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, Nothing worked it, out. When it came along, and and I saw it that it was a course that you could follow. I said, you know, let me try it. And I looked at it and it was so laid out for you in an organized fashion. I was like, I can follow that. I can I can recreate that. So I just went through the course, started waking up every day and it, it got me pumped because Anton is very, um, he's very uh, convincing and he's like, you can do this. And you know, like just follow my steps and you're gonna be successful. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And we just, we, it lit a fire under him because I was fired up and I had quit, you know, working there and we're just like, let's go full head with this and, you know, not look back. And it really gave us the organization for me in business. It's like, I need everything to be structured and he's a little bit everywhere all over the place. And I'm like, okay, I need it to be organized. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And it actually probably sounds like it was it probably good for Trevor to be <laughs> a bit more organized as well. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was really messy setting up that business. That's why it was so tough to sell for as much as I wanted. I can see that. So how long did it take you after you took Anton's course to make, you know, just basically make your first sale or become profitable with your next door? Uh, it took us about a month. Okay. So that's actually a lot faster than most people. Yeah. Most people I've talking to, spoken to, it takes about two months, but it's probably because you, you've had the experience of running the store before. And also it sounds like you work like, like a mad animal. <laughs> Pretty much. <Yes. laughs> and, uh, and we also got lucky, you know, so, um, there's certain things that happen in the world and they're, and, uh, they're called trends. And that's one of the part of the course is to always look at the niche you're thinking of and see if it's trending or not. Um, you know, during the summer, um, one of the niches we got into happened to just be blowing up the, the company got some coverage on uh, ABC News or something. And all of a sudden, the search traffic just spiked. And so uh, we just happened, I, I we were starting a, a store and uh, it was in there. And I just was like, you know, let's just turn on paid ads. You know, I, I want to get my first sale already. And this was like a week after the course started, we got our, our site up within like a week. Um, we literally hit a sale that evening. And then that week, we sold like two a day. And we just it was crazy. It was because there was so much search traffic for it. And we were only one of the only ones on the product listing ads, there was two or three other people about two or three weeks later, every Everybody and their mom jumped into that. Uh, REI, all the big stores started selling that product. So we really weren't ranking that much. But over that month, we killed it. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. Um, and and sale, sales in that store have gone down since then. And we've actually opened other stores that are doing really good now. So so how many stores do you have now? And how much are you making from your Joshing stores a month of profit? So right now we have about five. We're only making a livable income from one of them. The other one is kind of a side income. So the one store we have is bringing in an average of three to four thousand a month and the other stores bringing in an average of three to five hundred a month and then the other stores are just kind of dead right now um, we've made one or two sales over the course of a few months but we just haven't been doing any paid ads because i just kind of see it as lost money if we don't put time into optimizing the site you know so we're we're planning on bringing them back eventually but i'm not going to shut them down because once you bring it once you put a site together the, what's the point of shutting it down? It costs, you know, 30 bucks a month for the hosting. You can pay for that. And you know what? Someday you might actually want to build it or you can sell it or there's other options. But once you build something, don't just throw it away, you know? So yeah, yeah that definitely makes sense. I've actually met a few course members who just, for whatever reason, because they were chasing, usually because they're chasing the next shiny object, even if they're like, let's say they were making like 500 or 
800 bucks a month from a site but then they started chasing like teespring or something else yeah. and they just forgot about it. they shut down like they shut down the ads they shut down everything and then they kind of just forgot about it right or they canceled it and i, I was saying to them i was like well why don't you just sell that site you could have got like five or ten grand for it <laughs> and, and like i think people just don't think about it yeah you, you don't i don't people don't understand uh that you can get such a high multiple for dropship sites sometimes you have to really do the research to figure things like that out and, and it's cool to see like people getting 24x monthly net income and I, I mean it's it's actually totally possible to make a few hundred bucks from your site and then sell it for a few thousand dollars you know and hey you put a bunch of time and effort into doing that why not do that you know and, and you have some money and some happiness and you can start something better so here's a big question that i never bothered to ask so if you've had all this experience starting your own stores and so obviously you can do it you're part of anton's course you have the training for it you have these profitable stores why would you want to give me 25 percent of the next store and and and, and you know, fly all the way to Thailand and do this partnership. You know, just like uh, just like an Anton's course. You know, I knew I was going to learn a lot, and um, having mentors in your life is one of the most important things to actually become successful. Because if you just try to figure out things on your own, read free guides and and free blog posts and stuff like that, and never really try to network with people and find a good mentor, you're just not going to find success as quickly. You might become successful, but it's going to be messy and it's going to be uncomfortable. So my whole my whole point here was to really get into a networked group, uh, a close knit group of entrepreneurs and have someone like you as a mentor because you've done drop shipping um, as long as I have and you've had you know more success with it so it's it's amazing like to see that I've taken your courses optimize like a boss is great talks about you know how to how to take it kind of to the next level and add certain things to your site that that Anton you know covers in his course but doesn't go into as depth as you do and I've taken your earnest affiliate course which is great as well and I'm doing the personal blog with that which is really cool kind of building a personal brand um, and you know as much as I've tried to do it in the past I've never had like as much direct Direction before before I, I started taking your your course and, and, and talking to you and, and and getting feedback and you've always been a really positive person really friendly you know I've had other people that I tried to uh, become mentors in my life and and they weren't really as positive and friendly they kind of put me down and stuff like that so you know having somebody that's positive and and just you know and, and just kind of builds you up you know it's cool so so yeah that's why I realized it's totally worth it if anything I'm gonna come out here and learn so much you know and if it becomes successful 75% is huge I, I honestly thought it was gonna be a 50 50 thing and then you said 25 and I was like that's a no brainer I mean, are you kidding me? Like, um, get to work with Johnny plus 10 other really cool entrepreneurs out in Chiang Mai, Thailand and learn a ton and then, you know, uh, build something successful that, that's just obvious. Right yeah, there. we talked about it a lot, you know, like, like, okay, should we do this? Should we not do this? I don't know. And I just said, you know, what do we have to lose? Like, you know, just jump in with both feet and try it. I mean, if anything, we're going to learn from it. Yeah, and that's a great way of thinking. Uh, and I think pretty much every single person uh, in the program had the, kind of the same mentality where one like one of the things I, I did was I almost kind of purposely kept everything very vague, like what I'm, I'm actually going to do. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I, like, and I said, like, do you guys have any like questions? And I remember one of the things I really liked about you were like, nope, I trust you. Just go for it. Hey, I listened to your podcast and read your blog articles and stuff. And and out of most internet marketers out there, you know, you're the most authentic guy, you know, that I've, I've seen out there. Anton is very authentic as well. Um, but you you pretty much journaled the entire process of going from like the nine to five, similar to what I was doing and, and breaking free and just taking that leap of faith and going out to Thailand and, and living this amazing life, doing like dive instructing and stuff like that and diving all the time and, and trying to figure out how to make ends meet and, and, and going back and then coming back. It just reminded me so much of the journey I'd been on. So, um, so I've already gotten a ton of great free value from from following you and stuff like that so it's it's definitely been like helpful you know and, and i figured hey this is gonna be a great excuse to come out you know and, and and be a part of a group it's it's a great um way to get in into an inside circle kind of in a way you know so i, I know the the actual partnership hasn't started yet and you guys only been Chiang Mai for a very short while but what do you guys think of it so far <laughs> this place is amazing i'm so excited <laughs> it's um, when we first got here the traffic and the smog and from the main highways but once you get off the main roads and you kind of go into the back roads and find you know places to eat and coffee shops and everyone is just so nice everyone is so friendly here and you know they're willing to help you the locals you know if you ask a question they like go above and beyond they just don't stop talking they're like oh yeah you should try this and you should try this and yeah what about this and what about that and oh yeah over here my friend stays over here you know we're looking for an apartment and everyone's just is so nice I, I we don't get that back at home in LA you know everyone's angry and pissed off and you know just wants to go party on the weekends 
friends and uh, it, it's much different out here and we're just excited i when we first got here the first thing we both said was like let's go to the islands but um you know it's kind of like we're working towards that direction and right now we just need to like buckle down work and then we can get to go and uh, you know have some fun the other thing I love about Chiang Mai is the prices out here on everything. And the cost of living is just literally a quarter of what you'd spend in Los Angeles. Um, we just found a one-bedroom apartment that's really nice and, and updated and remodeled. Uh, it's 13000 baht a month, which is somewhere between 300 to $400 a month. I mean, we were paying 1200 a month in Long Beach, California for a studio that didn't even have air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, it was on the beach, but like it was just really uncomfortable working there. We, we would just be cranky and upset because of the heat. And, um, and then if you you want yeah. to go out anywhere or do anything you know just to go to the queen mary alone was like you know 90 dollars for three people it's just ridiculous so we're out here a coffee costs you you know 35 to 50 baht which is a buck to a buck 50 a meal at a restaurant costs usually you know between 60 baht to like 100 baht which is like two to three bucks a person which is insane we're used to paying 30 bucks for two people to eat curry you know and we come out here and two curry is is five bucks <laughs> we're just like okay this is so much better this is we what can we've been waiting for this whole time and know? one of my favorite parts one of our favorite parts is having a drop shipping business that's located in the united states uh, means that your customers don't wake up till you know eight nine o'clock or so and they start ordering and calling and stuff like that well over here it's 14 hours ahead of pacific time zone so it's probably 10 or 11 p.m over here when people start waking up and you know throughout the night all this all the action is happening so we're hiring these outsourced agents to make the phone calls and to do the live chat and then during the day there's no interruptions anymore because before we'd have uh, emails coming in and it was almost like in my mind like oh I always got to be checking my emails and we got phone calls coming in so it's so hard getting anything done and now it's so stressful in the morning take about an hour and then I'm done for the day before it was like I would wake up and handle them and then you get a customer service call and you get hungry and you know you you want to go outside and take a walk and it was just so much out there that we just we just knew that we wanted to come here and just live the lifestyle of our dreams you know like get to see another culture get to experience other people and get out of the materialistic lifestyle that's that that is and it's very tropical out here it's probably in the 80s every day and humid so it's warm it feels yeah. like hawaii i don't need it's a so sweater nice. every day when i go outside <laughs> it's not dry like los angeles you know so i'm glad you guys are enjoying Chiang Mai. that you guys made it, made it out of here i'm really excited for the partnership to start november 1st for everyone listening who wish you had gotten in i'm sorry it's closed <laughs> we have uh we have too many people already uh i might open it up again next year if this all goes well which i'm assuming it will i think it's, we have a really good group everyone's like like Trevor Giuliano, everyone's a superstar. Everyone has had a profitable store. It's almost kind of like surprising how many people with profitable stores are like, yeah, you know, like Johnny, like I want to come and I want to learn more. Uh, but that kind of just gives me this insight on the type of people that are going to come out. So I know they're all going to be super optimistic, uh, wanting to take it to the next level. Um, the best thing you guys can do if you want to qualify for that, or even if you don't, you just want to kind of do your own thing, is just get started yourself you know um everything's out there you know all of us are part of anton's course we've all learned from it he really does walk you through step by step uh if you want to sign up my link is antonmethod.com and by using my link and giving me credit i send you my jumpstart course for free so that kind of just walks you through all the little things that you might have other questions about like niche selection or when to call suppliers and stuff like that Cool. Yeah. Having a jumpstart course like that is really helpful because like Anton's course is wonderful and, and it really walks you through, but sometimes you almost need a, a second perspective or someone else's kind of input too, you know, it really helps. Yeah. And uh, Shopify is the platform that we all use. And I have a coupon that gives you 20% off Shopify for life, which means every single month you save 20% on it, you know, whether you're at the $29 plan, the $79 plan. Uh, and I get credit for referring you. And this is kind of the way that this this podcast keeps going uh, without me pay charging you guys for it. <laughs> so thank you guys. If you guys, if you're going to sign up for it anyways, you might as well save some money and then give me credit. Uh, that link I'm not allowed to share publicly, uh, but it's on the email list. So if you sign up for my email list at johnnyfd.com, I'll send you a PDF with the link to that and everything else. Um, and I think that's really about it. So thank you guys so much for being on the show. If you want to find you, I, I know you have a blog, you, you guys are on Instagram. Yeah, uh, my blog is trevorjfenner.com and I'm on Instagram, you know, slash trevorjfenner. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking about starting a blog, but right now I'm just vlogging like our journey and uh, that's Vegan Goddess Juliana and I'm also on Instagram at Vegan Goddess Juliana. And a fun fact is when I was uh, in my mom's belly 
and she was thinking of baby names. They thought I was going to be a girl, and my name—the name they had picked out—was Vegan Goddess Juliana. <laughs> <laughs> But it was actually Juliana. Juliana? Was- <laughs> That's so funny. That's how, how things happen, you know? You are the female version. Yeah. <laughs> so I could have been Juliana or- FD. <laughs> Juliana VG. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, big thank you to everyone who's taking the time to leave reviews on the iTunes store for this podcast. Appreciate you guys telling your friends, spreading the word, and getting um, this podcast into the ears of more people. See you guys around. See you guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.